Good morning. Let's get straight to markets. Take a look at the impact for the indices. Factual. Succinct. All you need to know before your trading day starts. Subscribe to our newsletter, CNBC's Daily Open. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the world of tech. I'm Tom Chitty and with me is CNBC's senior tech correspondent, Arjun Karpal. This week, we're going to be talking about generative AI. You may have heard and even used services like ChatGPT, but that is just the tip of the AI iceberg. This episode is really an introduction into the subject to get to grips with the AI landscape and find out why it could be transformational. We'll be hearing from someone who watches the AI space closely to give us even more insight. We'll also be delving into the big players in AI and how investors are responding to the sector. There are, of course, issues and potential dangers attached to AI, so we'll discuss those and whether our jobs, mine and Arjun's, could realistically be done by AI. And, of course, we'll be rounding off the show with Stat of the Week. Beyond the Valley. How was your holiday, Arjun? Yeah, it was good, Tom. You know, it's always nice to have a little break. I'm excited to to be doing this, though. It's nice to have you back. We've really missed you, actually. Yeah, it's been a yeah. You know, when you're not at work for a while, it sort of feels feels nice, and then you sort of come back, and that holiday feeling quickly wears wears off. Yeah, that's most people. Luckily, we've got pretty exciting jobs, so yeah, th- yeah. It doesn't doesn't feel like that. So you for didn't us. really have the post holiday blues. No, no. Did you know that? They did tests, they did studies that the the positive effect that you have of going on holiday is actually before you go on the holiday. It's the lead up to the holiday. And once you're on the holiday, you're actually just thinking about when the holiday is going to end. So the benefits are actually in the in the days leading up. So so it's the anticipation. Exactly. But then you're anticipate once you're on holiday, you're then anticipating going back to work. That makes sense because you start to think about hold on. Oh no, you know, Monday I'm back in the office, etc. I like to, as much as I can, and I do the, I've got much better at this, completely just turn off my work phone. Don't want to see emails, don't want to see Teams messages, don't want to see Slack messages. What about you? I've always been a turn off the phone. Good. Yeah, Um, just no time with, you know, the little ones and everything else, but, you know, no one wants to hear about children, Uh, on this podcast at least. Okay, before we get into it, just... Uh, stat of the week let's not um, you know forget about what is one of the best features in podcasts history really is um, stat of the week 7 trillion US dollars big number are you giving us a hint this time uh, it's kind of related to what we're about to speak about okay good yeah, that, yeah. that's helpful yeah yeah. yeah. think about a, a number of that magnitude 7 one more time seven. 7 trillion US dollars Good. All right. Let's get back to this week's story, uh, generative AI. I'm sure lots of our listeners have heard and read about it, but can you give them a brief overview of what it is we're talking about when we say Gen AI? Yeah. And there's a lot of jargon, isn't there, when we talk about this topic. So let's let's try to break it down. Generative AI uh, kind of does what it says on the Tim to, to some extent. It generates content. Um, based on user prompts and that content could be in the form of text it could be in the form of images it could be in the form of videos Um, 
often in response to to what someone ha- has typed into a generative AI product. The most popular one, of course, being ChatGPT, or at least the most viral. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really kicked off a, a lot of this trend. Effectively, it's based on a massive AI, what they call foundational model. Uh, this is a, an AI system that's been trained on huge amounts of data um, that allows this this AI to function. So if you imagine something like a chat GPT, it's, it's been trained on vast amounts of data from all over the internet um, to understand the language that you and I understand. Uh, and that's basically the foundation of a lot of these generative AI products. Yeah, so I mean, when you say, I think there's obviously a bit of concern about the sort of AI being sort of this clever, you know, sort of able to think maybe on its own. But really, when we say Gen AI, they're scrubbing the internet for this data, and it's able to do that at a very fast pace and be able to sort of put together answers based off that data. Yeah, that's right. So effectively, it's able to understand language mm. that we use yeah, um, and whatever other languages that, that people may may speak or, 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 or use. And then sort of, you know, quote unquote, translate that into into code <laughs> yeah, and then throw back an answer based on all this data that it's got from the internet. But of course, it's going to make, you know, kind of predictions along the way about what that answer might be um, or how that answer should sort of come out. So th- it's it's more complicated. I like your point, though. You know, we think about AI as this kind of like all-encompassing, yeah. all-knowing. Like like the iRobot. Like iRobot. Like iRobot. Exactly. It's, it's thinking for itself, but that's not what we're... Well, we're not there yet. We're nowhere near that yet. But, but one of the most telling comments I heard recently was at a conference earlier this year. Um, the AI chief of Meta, the, the parent company of, of Facebook and Instagram, etc., he was speaking on stage and he said, you know, AI right now is no smarter than a dog or a cat. So, you know, it tells you at what stage of development we're at. We don't want to get into debates on which is cleverer, dog or cat, because we could really split the audience. Really could be divisive. Yeah, very. So we talk about it a lot um, at CNBC and it's sort of in the headlines a lot. And why, though? Is it being called transformational? If if the only interaction a lot of our listeners would have had is through something like ChatGPT, which for me is feels still a little bit novelty. I mean, I've used it. We've you know made it sort of come up with a joke, um, which wasn't very funny. Um, but other than that, you know, it's not really something I use day to day. Yeah. Well, one of the big differences uh, we've had AI around for a while. We, we've we've had it. You know, if you use Siri or Google Assistant, to some extent, that is that is uh, a form of AI that's playing. A- AI is like this umbrella term for sort of various different facets. And we've had AI around for a while, but it's never been this smart. It's, it's sort of worked on limited data sets. It's been able to sort of come back with answers. But we're getting to the point where, you know, you could ask a, a, a chat GPT, oh, generate a poem for me based on these prompts. You know, you're giving it much more complicated tasks. And... The generative portion of that is where it's key. Now, I was keen to understand, okay, what is beyond just ChatGPT? What is beyond all of these chatbots? So I had a chance to catch up with uh, Mohit Agarwal. He's an associate director at CounterPoint Research, really looking at these areas where, you know, digital uh, experiences are trying to transform industries. And I asked him, you know, what goes beyond just these chatbots? Uh, but it is there is much more to generative AI than just chat GTP. Chat GTP is more about text, 
Whereas if you look at generative AI, as I was mentioning earlier, that uh, there are so many different uh, applications uh, of generative AI that could be there. Uh, one of the things that comes to my mind and uh, very close to me is uh, creation of synthetic data. Uh, so there are many cases wherein data is not there. Generative AI will be able to create some synthetic data looking at the real life data. Apart from that, uh, I do see a lot of use cases coming in from uh, drug design or drug discovery perspective. So today, companies, the pharma companies are spending billions of dollars in creating a new drug. And it takes anywhere between five to six years to be able to come up with uh, a new drug. So the entire process can be shortened. And using generative AI, we'll be able to do the drug design much faster at a, at a fraction of a cost uh, that we are incurring today. But apart from this, it is likely to make a big impact on marketing, for example, the marketing creatives. So not only so chatbots is just one thing which is being used for uh, customer care uh, uh, mostly or uh, looking at the structured, unstructured data and taking out uh, relative information. But in case of marketing creatives, then you could have uh, visuals or you could have video as well. So there are a lot more uh, applications of generative AI going forward that I see coming in. I just want to unpack his comments because I think they're really interesting. One of the things he just spoke about was what he called synthetic data. Okay, so we're generating uh, comments from ChatGPT, etc. But what if ChatGPT and these other generative AI products could generate data? Now think about this. Um, let's say I had, I don't know, 100 data points. It's quite small, but let's just use that as an example. And um, I was trying to figure out something, well, maybe a medicinal breakthrough. Um, and there are some things missing. And I'm trawling back um, academic papers over the last 30, 40 years. I'm trawling over uh, academic and medical studies over the past 30, 40 years. Um, but along the way, it's very hard to link the few because th there's missing data. But what if generative AI could generate that potential missing data? and form a link between a study from 30 years ago and a trial that took place last year and say, hey, actually, there's a link between these two things. This could lead to a breakthrough in drug discovery, etc., etc. Now, what I'm talking about here and what uh, Mohit Agarwal was talking about there is certainly some way off. But as we look towards the future, these are certainly areas that um, are going to be fascinating, how it how it you know, melds into these these kind of groundbreaking areas. And actually, if it does live up to the promise, we always have to temper some of that hype. But also, if we just think about it in the near term, a lot of people are using this technology um, in what they do, whether it's people in marketing departments, you know, to help with the copy they're writing, um, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, people who are dealing with text-based things or artists as well. It is being used. Of course, we don't use it here. We write all our own stuff. Of course. Of course. That's Disclaimer. important to say. Yeah, Disclaimer, absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. We Very definitely can't use that. And we'll get into some of the reasons why later in the show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when, when we, I suppose, before we get into sort of the, the jobs element um, and how, you know, it could potentially threaten our, our, our livelihoods, not our, our jobs, um, what, who are the sort of big uh, players in the AI uh, markets uh, and and sort of how are investors sort of seeing this landscape so i think there may be a name that our listeners are aware of and that's nvidia 
a company that designs uh, these chips known as graphics processing. Nvidia has had a lot of airtime on these these last three. I mean, when you when you your stock price goes up as much as you know two hundred thirty percent in a year, I feel like people start to take notice. Um, their their particular GPUs have been used to train. I spoke about these massive AI mm. data models. Their GPUs are used to train these huge models which require massive processing power and these chips to do it. That's one of the companies right now that is leading the way in that area. But also the big cloud computing companies, the likes of Microsoft and Amazon, these are the kind of companies as well um, that are offering um, AI, generative AI applications through their cloud computing platform. And of course, there's a long tail of startups. We're getting into an area where there's going to be so much change. There's going to be a lot of challenges coming through. There's going to be a lot of innovation that needs to happen. And so those are sort of the companies that are, that are leading. Now, I've got to talk about China. You know, it's not just about the US. The Chinese players are investing heavily in generative AI. So some of the big names our listeners might be aware of, Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent. These are companies that have released their own um, foundational AI models. Uh, Baidu has a chat bot that is a, akin to chat GPT uh, called Ernie Bot out in China. Um, Alibaba has similar products and so does Tencent. And so there's a big push as well from the large giants around the world. Um, so if we look at some of the market leaders, you know, those are some of the names where, where we're looking at. So it's, it's sort of down to the chips and the cloud players right now. What's going to be interesting is what other companies might pop up? Startups take advantage of that. OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT, has got billions of dollars investment from from big players, in particular Microsoft, the most notable. Uh, Amazon. We we touched on uh, last week, you know, that they'd invested four billion dollars in um, Anthropic. Yeah, they're they're going to invest up to four billion dollars in Anthropic, which is again, you see this. It's almost like this kind of arms race playing out mm-hmm. amongst the big tech giants globally. Um, to to get a foothold in generative AI because they they believe at least that this is going to be a transformational technology. Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear it from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on CNBC.com. I also, you know, when we, we you touched on China, but obviously, it base it what the responses you get from these AI chatbots, if we're talking about sort of those specifically, is based off what data sets you provide those those AI with, and that then brings in some sort of complications with who's creating the data sets. You know, it depend on where you are in the world that you're, what kind of answers you're going to be getting. You're, you're spot on. I mean, if, for example, you trained a um, AI chatbot based on, let's say, a cer- certain publications that were of a political slant, whatever way that is, the answers you're going to get are going to be of that political start- slant. And that's where the issue of bias is a big deal in a lot of these models. What data are they trained on? Um, and what does that mean for the answers they give? And and. I mean, look, we're not going to be able to cover everything in this episode, and we're going to probably go into these topics on various episodes. But, you know, a big issue is bias. What does that mean for regulation? How transparent should these algorithms and models be? Should we be able to see exactly what data it's trained on? Because then we can say, well, that was a strange answer that I was given. That felt a little bit biased in some way. 
um, how, you know, what is this trained on? So I think those those are all big questions, like great question. That's one sort of potential issue that we have with Gen AI, but there are also other sort of maybe greater dangers or, or issues that could come from it. Um, you know, what, what, what do you think those may be? Yeah. I, I want to I want to sort of read to you a couple of stories in a moment. Okay. But just to kind of set the scene for us, I want to go back to, to Mohit Agrawal from CounterPoint Research because he sort of gave us a quick overview of, of some of the dangers and risks around generative AI. Um, let's just get his take. There is an issue of uh, defect. Uh, which is there a lot of uh, places like uh, uh, there are there are defects that are being created and uh, uh, there are scammers out there who are trying to take advantage of the defects but apart from that uh, uh, there is another issue of intellectual property right uh, so again generative ai is using the data and there is data that has been created using uh, some real life uh, data and so uh, the uh, for example, there are these songwriters and uh, who are claiming that uh, uh, some of the generative AI output is based on the on their songs that were created in the past. And uh, recently, even there is a strike that is going on in the re in the US, which is talking about how the writers could be compensated for uh, 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 for their infringement on their copyrights. But these are two things. But again, the challenges could be manifold. So there are there is another challenge of bias. Uh, because, uh, I mean, the output is as good as the data it is trained on. And uh, uh, the issue that is there with the data itself is that uh, there could be biases, inherent biases in the data itself. For example, there could be gender biases, there could be biases based on uh, color of the skin and so on. So that's that's another challenge that is there. And I also see another challenge, which is uh, it's going to create a bigger divide between the big companies and the smaller companies. The bigger companies will have the resources and the data to be able to train the generative AI more uh, in a better way. And hence, they are going to get the lead in the market in a much bigger way as compared to a smaller market, uh, company. So lots of interesting things there, Tom. Bias, as you mentioned, was was one of the big ones. But I want to I want to talk about a couple of really interesting stories I've come across over the past few months. So one is around, you know, this broad issue of deep fakes. Um, you, you know this term. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've watched that uh, that TV series, Capture. Um, is it Capture? Captured? Um, and it's all about creating, you know, deep fake video, not necessarily even deep fake images, which I think has been around since longer than, than, than video. But now it's it's that 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 felt you know, very futuristic, but maybe we're already there. It's terrifying. I mean, if you think about it, you can literally fake an entire video. You can literally fake anything that's happened or, or that hasn't happened. And you and you see it on, on social media, whether it's Instagram or wherever, and you see pictures and you go, wow, is that... And you have to sort of check yourself. And, and, and then we're getting into the subject of, you know, do we need to sort of rubber stamp what is AI and what isn't, and is does there's a whole business? Sorry, I'm getting I'm getting, getting carried away, but you know there's a whole industry now that you know we could potentially be you know seeing coming to fruition, which which has to sort of look after or police or checks and balances for AI. And and that's the point, right? So when you look at generative AI, it's not just text that's generating; it could generate images, it could generate video, it could generate voice, and so 
Yeah, wasn't there this 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 Drake song? Yeah, so two stories. Let me let me yeah, get sorry, into it because no, because you're right though. That 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 was fast. So the first one you mentioned there was was the Drake song. So there was a track that went viral this year that was purportedly created by the rapper Drake and um, the R&B artist The Weeknd. Um, you know, people were very excited about it, two big eyes, uh, but it wasn't actually from them and spotted. But it got millions of views and people really loved it. Um, but using the data, i.e. their past back catalogue and various other data inputs, an AI was able to create this track that people were convinced people, was them. And people enjoyed. People enjoyed. That it's good good music for them. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, that brings up all the issues. So recently the BBC did an interview with Daniel Ek, who's the uh, founder and, and CEO of, of Spotify. Um, and, you know, they were talking about AI and music. And he said, look, AI is going to be used in music for many, many years. And he sort of drew the lines as to, you know, where things will be taken down, where things are acceptable and not. And there were three points the BBC sort of raised um, in that interview. So tools such as Autotune, he says, which improve music, um, he believed were fine. They were acceptable. Um, which, you know, Autotune's been around for a while and you can use sort of synthetic things to make songs better. That that, that seems fair. Yeah. Uh, which, what he said was not acceptable were tools which mimic artists, which again, I think is fair. You know, you shouldn't be putting an artist's name on, on songs that aren't theirs. Yeah. That's not even got anything to do with them. Where there was this sort of gray area was where music was created by AI, but was influenced by existing artists, but did not impersonate them directly. Right. That's where there's a gray area. And that is a gray that, area. That is a gray area pro before AI became a thing, yeah. right? You know, uh, there's there's only so many chords there's only so many notes yeah. and so a lot of and an imitation has happened across all art forms yeah. um and that's just the way it goes so, you know we've had the case with uh, ed sheeran's been sort of uh, sued or tried to be sued uh, off the back of a, a bunch of his songs and you know ai that it comes in on that and creates even more problems for the uh well for the music industry in this yeah. case um you're right so I mean, what's also stopping, uh, you know, an artist just using AI to write a little segment of a song? Oh, okay, that's generated an idea for for a larger song. And ha who's checking that? Oh, wait, they didn't actually write the song themselves. Yeah, and our 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 AI, you know, expert there was just talking about the issues with copyright, and that's going to become prevalent. The the second one, just related to to deepfakes, is there's a cybersecurity company called Avast who who uncovered this scam where these scammers had effectively used AI to recreate the voice of the CEO of, of a company. Um, and employees didn't notice the difference. And the, and the criminals using the AI voice of the CEO instructed um, employees to immediately transfer $243,000 over to another company. And the employees did that. Um, and then you know, the criminals drained that money out of the account and moved it to other locations. That's an, that's what well, they called that vishing, voice phishing. You know, the... Uh, the mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 phishing for, 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 yeah. Yeah, when you send like yeah. sort of emails that look like they're from a legitimate source or yeah. someone you know and, and they, they force you to or they coerce you into. A problem which is rampant and not under control at all. So just add in the, the fact that AI is able to sort of make that problem even worse is... is really quite concerning um, so transformational yeah yes it could be yeah. <laughs> a whole host of problems that's yeah. what we've got now to contend with okay um let's get into quickly <laughs> um 
our our jobs. I said I said at the start of the the episode that um, we were going to see, see if AI could realistically replace us um, as our our roles as journalists here at CNBC. Um, could they? Tom, I'm worried. I'll be <laughs> honest with you. I mean, I know you've been worried for a while, but so in 2021, was that two years ago? In China, Baidu, the the effectively the biggest search engine company out there now now position themselves as an AI company uh, and CCTV uh, the Chinese state broadcaster released it, an AI anchor that could do sign language so that's pretty cool um, but then more recently People's Daily which is another state run media publication launched a virtual anchor that could sort of give out information about a, a certain political events that were going on at the time so and I've seen various stories about these sort of AI news anchors around the world uh, so it's happening. Um, yeah, I mean, but can they replace what we do? Absolutely. <laughs> no, on a serious level, you know, apart from obviously high standards, high quality, on a serious level, it's, it's very, you know, the news business and what we do is not just, you know, formulaic. It's based on a lot of judgment um, and it's based on, on accuracy. Uh, it's based on, on fact. And weighing things up. And weighing things up. There's a lot that goes into it that is human focused that requires at this point in time a human brain now you think about let's just say you told uh, an ai generative ai service i'll write me this article you'll probably do it Mm. but there's lots of things that will go into that and there's different types of news we're doing this podcast now right and there's lots of knowledge we're leaning on lots of different uh, experiences and various things that ai might not necessarily be able to replicate yet yet so i mean i'm i mean my my concern was that you know, I thought, well, you know, it won't be able to do this sort of art, creative, that those kind of, you know, industry, those kind of jobs, professions. But we're seeing already, as we've talked about in this episode, it kind of can, whether it's original or whether it's, you know, a masterpiece. But not all music and art is mar- you know, are masterpieces, you know, and, and if it can sort of get in on that action, then that's, that. well, I'm, I'm worried, Arch. Yeah, well, I think we all should. Be. But let's not let's not let's not get too scaremongering. No, I think no, there's no. a long way to go okay. at this point. We always talk about the the job impact of of AI on jobs and technology on jobs. And you know, we've heard over the past few years this this debated ad infinitum, and you know, there's two prevailing views. Um, one is that this is just going to wipe out the the job market in various industries, particularly those jobs that are uh, formulaic, repetitive you know, data inputting, that kind of stuff. The second side is that many people argue, well, with every technological revolution, you know, dating back centuries, um, yes, some types of job goes, but there's always new jobs that are formed. Um, The question I have really is this. Yes, historically, that's the pattern we've seen. But actually, is this such a huge shift in technology? The likes we've never seen before that means that those past trends may not be replicated. That's just a question. I don't know the answer. Me neither, um, surprisingly. <laughs> um, okay, let's uh, find out what else has been happening beyond the valley. Beyond the valley.
couple stories I want to flag here, Tom. The first is about ByteDance, the Chinese firm that owns the short video and social media app TikTok. That company bought back shares from its U.S. employees. Now, remember, this is a private company. It's not listed on the public markets. And it bought those shares back at around $160 a piece, which valued the company at around $223.5 billion. This according to a report from the news agency Reuters. Now, that valuation, while massive, um, is still 26% lower than a year earlier. And that I guess is because a lot has happened. There's been rising interest rates which have hurt these high-flying tech firms, many of which rely on on capital to fuel some of these high-growth but potentially loss-making businesses. But also, ByteDance and TikTok in particular has been in the crosshairs of politicians around the world, and in particular in the U.S. for some some years. Some lawmakers have expressed concern that the Chinese government may have influence over TikTok and have called for its ban. Other reasons for the share buyback at a lower valuation could be because if you think about it, there might be a lot of employees holding on to shares, and right now there's not really a sign of any kind of IPO for ByteDance, which would give uh, some of these employees money back for selling their shares. So the company uh, may looking be looking to buy back shares to help raise morale. The second story here really uh, is in regards to a Wall Street Journal report that Meta, the company that owns uh, Facebook and Instagram, uh, are floating at the moment a $14 per month ad-free plan for Instagram and Facebook in the European Union. So that would be 10 euros a month for access to Facebook and Instagram on desktop, on mobile, 13 euros to factoring commissions charged by Apple and Google uh, by their app stores as well. Uh, And this is part, I think, of an issue around regulation within the European Union. The Irish Data Protection Authority effectively told Meta recently that it has to require consent from users before allowing businesses to target ads to them. And so this subscription model with no ads at all will sort of help allay some of those concerns. But I think there's a bigger story here, and that is everything, all these social media apps and and sites we use were free for ages. I say free. We paid for it with our data, of course. And now we're getting to a point where some of these sites are looking and wondering whether the subscription model in exchange for no ads will be better going forward. And we're getting to see how this will play out. X, of course, formerly known as Twitter, began a, a subscription service recently. There are some people paying for that service, but it's unclear how widespread that is. In regards to Facebook, It has more than 2 billion daily active users. Instagram, meanwhile, has about 2 billion monthly active users. So it's a huge uh, user base for Meta to monetize. Even a fraction could uh, bring in some significant revenue as well. The question is, will people pay? Uh, Personally, I'm not sure I would, Tom. Before we finish, let's do Stat of the Week. Uh, let's remind our listeners the the number. It was seven trillion US dollars. Seven trillion US dollars, and it refers to AI. Uh, the the potential worth of the AI industry by twenty thirty. You're on the right track, Tom. This is the closest you've ever been. So, oh really? I thought last week I did well. This is unbelievable. This is, this is even closer. So. Goldman Sachs recently said generative AI could, within a decade, raise annual global GDP by 7%, which will translate to roughly 7 trillion US dollars. So, yeah, that's there is a productivity kind of gain here and a potential economic impact of this technology. 
which we actually didn't really sort of discuss at length. But like we said at the start, this is very much an introduction to this subject, which we, I'm sure we will be talking about lots more in the episodes to come. Okay, that's it for uh, for this episode. But uh, just to remind you that if you do have any burning questions on tech, then email into the show. Um, it's beyondthevalley at cnbc.com. And please follow and subscribe to the show. And finally, to keep up to date with the very latest on tech, then cnbc.com is the place to go. Thank you, Arjun. Thank you, Tom. We'll be back next week for another episode of Beyond the Valley. Goodbye. Beyond the Valley.